welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Hey, everybody, Sophie Shepard here with another She Talks Health podcast, and this one is going to be so fun. It's always a really good podcast when I have a friend (laughs) Um, because we just have that level of comfort. And we've certainly talked about PCOS on this podcast several times before, but I just love um, our guest's message today. It's going to be such a game changer for anyone with polycystic ovary syndrome. So I'm welcoming to the show, Jane Sagui. (laughs) I just learned how to say her last name, Um, but Jane (laughs) Sagui has been passionate about women's health and more specifically hormonal health and PCOS since being diagnosed with PCOS about 10 years ago. And she previously focused on digital health companies as a management consultant and a uh, VC. Um, But then she decided to start her own company as um, the founder of Polly, the co-founder of Polly, to fix a problem she'd experienced firsthand repeatedly, finding proper hormonal health support. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sophie. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm super pumped. We've done, gosh, we've done so many lives and we've done it. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Met for dinner in person in Denver and we've, we've done a bunch. <laughs> yeah. So it's so nice to have you here on the podcast to talk about Polly because, and all the things related to PCOS that just, it's such an epidemic, right? I mean, what are we saying now? One in 10 women have one in 10. And I think that's conservative. Some research is coming out as having it be a little bit higher. We typically say one in 10 though, because we, we like being more conservative. <laughs> yeah. And that is, that is insane, right? It's like millions, millions. Absolutely. Of so um, I'd love to start us off today with your own journey, because I know that there are going to be women with PCOS listening that will be able to relate to what you went through. And can you just kind of walk us through, I mean, one of the biggest things is even getting the correct diagnosis, right? So like, how did totally. you start to know there was an issue and, and what was that part of the journey 
for you. Yeah, no, I, I really love talking about this because I think it's it's so important for people to understand the signs of symptoms of PCOS, but also I think understand what other people have gone through to get their diagnosis because there is a lot of diminishing of symptoms from medical providers and just it's a whole mess of a process. And so I was 18 when I first started experiencing my PCOS symptoms. I had just gone away to college. I was, I was a freshman in undergrad and I started experiencing really bad cystic acne. Um, on my face, but a bunch of back acne as well, which I had never had before in my life that came up like pretty abruptly. And then I also had some hair loss and really, really bad insomnia that essentially like was keeping me up for most of the hours of the night. I was sleeping like three to five hours a night at the beginning of college, regardless or not of whether I was drinking and obviously drinking alcohol was messing the sleep up more, uh, but, but just felt not like myself. And then, then, then some anxiety set in. And I remember that I went home for Thanksgiving break. And my mom took one look at me and she was like, you're not seeming like yourself. Let's get you into the doctor. And so at that point I went to my family's primary care physician who my parents had worked with for ages and had had a wonderful experience with her on many of their own health issues. But she essentially just did some labs on me. No hormones were taken and I was anemic, which I was eating a pretty plant-based vegan diet at the time. And so it was really no shocker that I was anemic. And she told me to just start an iron supplement and go on my way. And that wasn't enough. <laughs> Shockingly. Honestly, sometimes iron supplements can be really damaging, like depending on the oh, other. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. yeah. And that's and- what she was trained to do was run that and then get the iron in. And, and so you got packed off to <laughs> back to school. Yeah, exactly. Went went back to school and the symptoms just continued to get worse and worse. And then, um, at around like the, after being done with my first semester, I then went home again and my parents again were like, we need to figure this out. And it was at that point that I really started going to different physicians and it was primarily like primary care physicians and OBGYNs that I was going to, to start because nothing was so wrong in my labs that like directed me any which way. Um, I really wish that I could have seen some of those initial labs that were taken. I, I have like one set of labs from 20 early 2012. And I, I don't know where all the other ones have been, but essentially finally made my way to an OBGYN who did realize that I had PCOS and he made the diagnosis. And then it kind of just told me that it was something I couldn't do anything about until I tried getting pregnant one day. And then it was just a whole nother set of issues from there, you know? And so then, and, and so even after getting the diagnosis, which that was almost a year, it was then another year of working with different sorts of specialists and trying like different approaches out. Ultimately, I took more of a functional medicine approach. And so I found a functional nutritionist like yourself and then a functional medicine doctor who were really able to help me figure out what the hell was going on with my body. And I remember it was a few months of pretty intensive work and then a few years of being super, super mindful about what I was like putting in my body and how I was treating my body and and getting proper rest and stuff. And then I really did hit a point toward the end of college where I felt like my physical health and physical self were a little bit more resilient and my hormones were still sensitive, but more resilient than they had been. But it took a really long time to get there. And I would also like to call out really briefly that I had such a cushy privileged experience in this all. I was a full-time student my parents were paying for my healthcare and my schooling. So I was not like acquiring debt. I was not balancing this with a full-time job. And it was still just a really difficult experience to go through. And I, I had the support of my mom who was doing all this research for me. It literally could not have been a cushier experience and it still took a really long time and it took a huge toll on my mental health as well. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing your whole story with us. You and I have such something similar um, in our stories is that like we went through our start of our health journey when we were really young and that is such a vulnerable time. You're still learning who you are and growing into who you are and college is stressful in and of itself. And so I appreciate you saying, you know, you had that privilege and it's difficult for everybody. And I think it's important that you said that though, because this is something that's affecting millions of women and not everybody has access to the resources. That's why we're so excited about Polly. They don't have the finances for the resources. They don't even know where to look. They don't even know what's wrong. They're maybe going to a sleep doctor for the insomnia and a, you know, right. skin, <laughs> and they're like all over and their OBGYNs putting them on maybe birth control and iron pills. And so they're all over the place. And then it's so, so many specialists and stress. And, and then we know stress will also impact our very fragile sometimes sex hormones, especially if we have PCOS. So yes, totally. That's- yeah. And, and the bouncing around to different physicians was just not like a feasible way to live life, you know? And, and again, I was, I was 18, 19 years old at the time. It wasn't even like I was dealing with going to like fertility appointments and all the other sorts of complications that PCOS can cause down the line. And it was really just a lot of like treating symptoms reactively. And like, as these point issues or like these discrete issues, when in reality, as you know, obviously Sophie, like all of it was intertwined. Like my acne and my mood issues were very much so connected because they were all being caused by an underlying hormone issue. Yeah. And, and, but they're seemingly unconnected, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. When I had my Hashimoto's diagnosis, I would not have known that my depression was linked to my fatigue was linked to, were linked to my weight gain and all these different um, pieces of the puzzle. So I was going all over New York city to all these different specialists and none of it was really working. So yeah. You know, you mentioned that you had kind of experimented for about a year with different approaches. You had kind of ultimately gone a more functional approach with nutrition and and with functional medicine. But also we know, you know, that PCOS is kind of a lifelong thing to to manage, similar to Hashimoto, yeah. certain things that you kind of have to keep up with. So I'm really curious and I'm going to say this with a huge caveat. We'll talk about this <laughs> personalized approach, ladies. What worked for Jane may not work for you, but I would love to hear I don't know, maybe top three, five things that you learned totally. experimenting that, you know, you've kind of kept up with, or maybe even things that were really important for you early on that you don't need to do now. Um, just to yeah. ideas. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I let's think of what I'm going to say here. I think the number one thing, which is still very important for me now was stress management. And I was a case of, if, if you've heard of like adrenal type PCOS, which is talked a lot about in functional medicine at Poly, we are now calling that reproductive PCOS, which is where our PCOS research advisors have been recommending that we, we kind of reframe it that way. Um, but my symptoms are really catalyzed. Let's know more about that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, we can get into that. It's, yeah. it's exciting. And it's also really exciting. Sorry. Now I'm going down a, a totally different rabbit hole, but it's, it's great to see that like PCOS research, the PCOS clinical world are starting to think about things as like actual phenotypes or types, just because as, as we all know, it's so, it's such a huge umbrella of a diagnosis. I personally think that PCOS should be several different diagnoses and treatment really varies based on what your triggers are. Um, but anyway, stress is a really big one for me before you keep going. Sorry. Yeah. That's a really important thing. Um, if anyone is like, what is she talking about? Go back and watch some of the other, or listen to some of the other podcasts about PCOS. We talk about different types. And also we talk about how to get properly diagnosed because there's a specific set of criteria. Cause like what Jane said, it's a, it's really a spectrum, right? It's a true spectrum. 
And yes. I think the biggest yeah. one we'll fall into is there's a weight component for a lot of people, um, where they're yeah. controlling their weight. And then there's this more adrenal one, there's different phenotypes, but that's one, a big difference. And I think there can almost be this like animosity or something like you don't have the weight one. And like, I'm you know, yeah. quote unquote skinny PCOS, but it's all not great. Like it doesn't feel good to have any of it. I would imagine. So exactly. Um, yeah, no, de- yeah, definitely doesn't feel good to have any of it. I think the, the reproductive slash adrenal type can be more difficult because oftentimes that's influenced by genetic factors as well. And that of course is, is more difficult to alter. I mean, well, I don't know. I'm, I won't get into genetic stuff, uh, but, but it can just be more difficult to alter. But for me, stress was huge. And we learned that I had my cortisol levels were like through the roof, my DHEAS, which is a specific type of androgen that's linked to like, if you have high DHEAS, it's being caused likely by adrenal dysfunction or high levels of stress. Um, mine was very high. Well, my, like my testosterone was in a normal range. And so ultimately through working with those functional medicine people that I mentioned, they were like, listen, like your symptoms are actually being caused by stress. And so in college, I mean, I was very high strung as like a high school student in early college. And I, I think that PCOS has been a blessing for me in a lot of ways. And then it's kind of like forced me to reshift my priorities. And that's been something that's taken, um, like literally a decade, you know, and I'm still very much so constantly reshifting my priorities, but making sure that I was like taking proper time to rest and recover and, and, sleep and not go out every single night of the week. That was really important for me in college in terms of uh, stress management today. It looks like therapy and like working on boundaries and still working on sleep and stuff. Um, But my life is of course much different today than it was when I was an undergrad. And then I'd say that like another big tip for me, I am a runner and I was, I was very much so a distance runner when I was diagnosed with my PCOS. And this kind of gets into like, was it a misdiagnosis was like, what the hell was even going on? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I don't really know the answer to that question. I I don't, I don't fit the diagnostic criteria for PCOS anymore. Um, at the time my FSH was normal. It was not like super, super low. And so that's kind of why I did not get the FHA diagnosis at the time. But again, it's all just kind of like this, they're all spectrum conditions and it, it, it kind of just goes to show that the diagnosis itself can be empowering, but what really matters is figuring out what the root cause of that diagnosis is or what those symptoms are. And so, sorry, going back to the running, the nutrition around running piece is really important for me. And before I went the functional medicine route, I had a doctor tell me to stop eating carbs to like eliminate carbohydrates. And I, and Sophie's eyes are very my big eyes right are now. like and holding out of my face right now. That's the, the worst yeah. advice ever for, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. For someone who is, for someone whose symptoms were being caused by stress and to eliminate carbs, which can cause more stress on the body. I also didn't have insulin resistance. I, I have never had any metabolic issues. And so to tell me to do that essentially just put my body then into like a f- more bigger fight or flight mode, starvation mode, and basically just signaled to my body that it was even more unsafe to ovulate. And so that was a big one. And I, and the nutritionist that I worked with was very helpful. And she essentially just told me what to eat before and after runs. And it was like what to eat immediately before, immediately after, and then two hours after. And that's something that even today, if I go out on like a three mile run, maybe I can be a little bit more lazy with before and after fueling. And I can like get by more than like more more than an hour and eat a meal a little bit later on. But if it's like a four plus mile run, I know that if I'm doing that more than like twice a month and not doing my little fueling regimen 
before and after, and it can get exhausting. Yeah, but I know my body likes it. Then my period can get wacky. And so I think that that was another really big one for me. And I, even if you have insulin resistance, that, that blood sugar management, which it still was blood sugar management for me, it's just so key. And I think that like, it just kind of goes to show how personalized it is for everyone, you know? (laughs) I think people forget that like stress is not just your boss sent you an email or your kids crying. That's equally stressful. I'm not taking away from that, but stress can be mismanaged blood sugar or a gas or molds, or like it could be, you know, emotional, but it can also be very much physical um, and chemical. And so I love that you brought that up because it's doing two things. It's getting your body out of that starvation mode, but it's also getting it into a place where moment to moment, your blood sugar isn't going up and down, causing that release of cortisol. Because we exactly. know we all have this relationship. Um, and what one other thing <laughs> that I wanted to mm-hmm. just not gloss over in case um, someone's not clear on that. Could you just talk really quickly about what you were explaining with the FSH to LH ratio and how yes. like there's sometimes um, ladies, you can get misdiagnosis of um, HA or you can get misdiagnosed with PCOS when you really have HA. Exactly. So explain how that yeah. markers are really essential. Yeah. And I think that that's, especially if you are someone that either like has a history of eating disorders or disordered eating, or if you're an athlete, or if you just run highly stressed, I would say that that risk for HA or FHA, which is functional hypothalamic amenorrhea, or just hypothalamic amenorrhea, that risk is likely a little bit higher. That's a condition where you, you have amenorrhea or just lack of periods for three months or more. And it's characterized like by very similar symptoms as PCOS. So it's, it's not menstruating. It's not ovulating. It can lead to symptoms like the acne and the hair loss and and other PCOS-esque symptoms. But from what I know, and Sophie, please correct me if I'm wrong, but based on what I know, what distinguishes FHA from PCOS is that with FHA, since your body does not feel safe to ovulate at all, really, that follicle simulating hormone or FSH will typically be very, very low. Whereas with PCOS, it will be like in a normal range, but your LH will be even more elevated. Is that correct? Which is luteinizing hormone. Yeah. And I believe I'm going to link, there's a really good article about this where it has like the actual ranges and everything on Dr. Um, Lara Brighton. She's an amazing researcher and a resource on hormonal health of all kinds, but especially with PCOS. And she actually has like an actual, like, it's so easy. It's the blog post is called, That's awesome. is it PCOS or is it hypothalamic amenorrhea <laughs> or under eating? And I'll link it into the show notes for you guys. Yeah. Um, so, cause that, sometimes I know when you're learning auditory, you can kind of for, forget things, but there's an actual checklist and so PCOS has that high LH to FSH ratio, and then HA would have the low um, LH to FSH ratio. But they're so interesting. Similar. It's so similar. It's like wild. Yeah. So yeah, so similar. And I think, and especially when you're thinking about like reproductive slash adrenal PCOS versus FHA, they're so similar that like the the recommendations and the treatment is likely going to be similar. And and that's something that even with Polly, with our members who kind of fall into that reproductive bucket, we really emphasize to them like rest and recovery. You should probably be working out less. You should probably be eating more and making sure that you're eating high quality carbs throughout the day. Um, I could really talk for like hours about the carb fear mongering with, with PCOS. Wild, right. Well, because of course there's also the other end of PCOS where they're dealing with weight, uh, weight loss resistance. And so it's like, don't have any carbs ever. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it can be, it can be harmful. And then I think just like the third big thing that I would call out is this, and this is one that has more so shifted for me over time. So maybe interesting for folks to hear um, is that when I was really at the thick of my symptoms, I did some food sensitivity testing, which I know can a uh, controversial thing. I don't know if it's, I don't know what I did was like actually indicative of real food sensitivities. I didn't do a real full on elimination diet at the time, but what I was recommended by the nutritionist was to try reducing my dairy intake for a few months. And I did that. And I found that it really, really helped with my acne. Even today, I still find that like, if I'm eating dairy too much, my acne will come back. And I would just say that like, that's an interesting one because there's a lot of rhetoric out there about how you need to eliminate gluten and dairy and like all of this stuff if you have PCOS. And I think that if you have like a confirmed autoimmune issue going on or confirmed inflammation issues going on, that's where that stuff can be really helpful. And I think that for my body where I I fit into that reproductive subtype, I also fit into the inflammatory subtype and some health issues that I've had since PCOS, I think are very much so linked to like my body's tendency to toward inflammation. Um, and so that's kind of one that has waxed and waned through my, through my last 10 years since I was diagnosed with PCOS. Um, and it's really been interesting to see how like there have been seasons of life where I'm like totally fine eating dairy. And then sometimes it really Fs with my stomach and my skin and I kind of need to reel it in. And so that's just one where I've, I've listened to my body along the way. Um, but again, I mean, I don't know. Our bodies are constantly changing and stuff. It's it's kind of interesting to see how stuff can evolve over time. <laughs> yeah, I lo- I kind of love that that journey though. I mean, it's because you're right. There's like, I mean, all my PCOS clients are like they're exhausted by the social media pages that are just PCOS because it's like you have to completely stop eating gluten and dairy. And then there's others that are like gluten and dairy don't matter. And then, you know, and there's just like all this information. So I I hear that. I've heard that a lot from people and yeah, it's so interesting. Like my client population is very autoimmune because I have Hashimoto's. A lot of people come with that. A lot of people come with totally less. And so I have found that most people do pretty well without gluten because they're already autoimmune. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But with PCOS, I think it can really vary. And also what's your toxic load? Like you, when you first yeah. diagnosed you, you were in college and you were really high strung and you were running and you weren't carving. You yeah, know, I was drinking like, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you were drinking a lot. And like, there's all these other layers. So if you think about it the same way we think about our stress bucket, it's kind of the same thing. Like what's our inflammation bucket. Yeah. We kind of, you know, quote unquote, get away with, um, when, you know, at different phases in our lives. And I think that what's great about what you shared is it can kind of release the like food fear that comes with, yes, with PCOS big time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The food fear is huge and it can add a lot into that overall stress bucket or toxin bucket, whatever we want to call it. Um, and I think that oftentimes depending on where you're starting from kind of leaning into intuitive eating and and not even having food rules might even improve your PCOS symptoms more than cutting everything out or eating a perfect diet. Oh God, it's such a tricky line to walk for people. I never yeah. different because I have people who are like, I want to know exactly what it is that's inflaming me or whatever. And I want to take it out. And then I have people who are like, you know, if I was told you can't ever eat this again, then it would just be terrible and trigger them and be more stressful. So it's like, exactly yeah, for the individual approach, I think really takes a big hold. Um, yeah. Intuitive eating can be really helpful. And I think you have intuitive eating providers through. Yeah. Yeah. So we have our dietitians and coaches are all like 
well-versed in intuitive eating. Some of them even completely specialize it in it, excuse me, in their external practices. Um, we also have some health at every size folks. And that's something that we're going to be adding more to Polly's team in the future in, in terms of very haze or health at every size specific practitioners. Um, and that's just something, I mean, I, Sophie, you mentioned earlier for like the population with PCOS that is insulin resistant or in a larger body and has constantly been told like through their entire life to just lose weight when they actually have an underlying metabolic imbalance that makes it difficult to lose weight. And also guess what? BMI is not actually like the best indicator of our health. We should actually be looking at cholesterol and blood sugar and other sorts of like vitamins and minerals in our blood. And, and that is really an indicator of health. And so we don't want to be like forcing everyone to be doing intuitive eating or health at every size. We provide like meal plans for people who really do want more structure. We, of course, like if someone wants to lose weight, that is okay. And that should not be demonized. And that kind of gets into like making sure that we're not going too far on one end of the spectrum. But I think that just making sure that we have plenty of resources for intuitive eating and health at every size, and that we're also bringing that up with everyone everyone, even if we're not forcing it down their throats, but we're really, really hopeful that medicine is moving in more a direction of weight inclusivity. We are assuming, I mean, I think it's a very strong assumption. It will take healthcare a really, really long time to actually move toward weight inclusivity. And so being like a smaller, more nimble startup, we can hopefully have like a little bit of a bigger impact for the people who decide to work with us. Less red tape <laughs> to walk through. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We can just decide what we want to do. <laughs> I mean, it's we have to talk about this stuff because it's the most, I think it's one of the most damaging things that someone can say is like a doctor, you go to a doctor and they're like, just lose weight. And with people who PCOS, like most of them have tried every diet under the sun. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the risk of eating disorders is so much higher with people with PCOS. And it's, it's kind of like a chicken and an egg thing where having a blood sugar imbalance or being insulin resistant leaves you more predisposed to cravings and stuff like that. Um, but then it just becomes this like vicious cycle where like one is more predisposed to like craving sugary foods and like junk food or whatever. And then simultaneously being told by physicians, like literal physicians, not just like diet culture and society to lose weight. I mean, it just erodes at our self-esteem and, and self-worth and stuff. And it's, it's very crappy. <laughs> Mental health um, is very directly impacted by PCOS diagnosis for the reasons you mentioned, but also from all the biochemical imbalances that can happen. And it also strikes me as interesting that, you know, I've just been reading this book because I've come off my, um, my SSRI in the last, like, mm -hmm. and I've been reading about all the different layers to brain health. And one of the biggest things that I just found so interesting and was actually seeing this in practice yesterday was with a client who has Hashimoto's and PCOS. And she's like, I just can't get myself to stop you know, the cravings and I feel so unmotivated yeah. and, oh, this and that. And then I ran some labs and I saw her dopamine and her norepinephrine levels were oh, interesting. You know, if you don't have that pleasure, uh, brain chemical, like you're going yeah. to get out because you're like, dopamine is going to make us feel really, you know, have that joy, right? Like dopamine hit. Yeah. Yeah. Change. Yeah. And you're going to look for it in other places if your brain's not producing yeah. that. And, and you'll, and the fastest way for your brain to achieve it is through sugar. And yeah. what's interesting about that to me is I said to her, you know, this isn't about you not having willpower. This is about your individual mm -hmm. chemistry needing some support yeah. <laughs> for a supplement. Yeah. Inside the food stuff, like within, 
you know, within the balancing the plate and the and protein and fat without necessarily being like, you can never have sugar again, because I think that that's just a super totally. damn thing to say. But at the same time, yeah. she has goals she wants and she wants to not be controlled by her cravings. So what can we do right, to right. help the downstream effect? Because yeah, is really only going to get us so far. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so about a lot about, you know, um, your guys eating inclusive um, providers and, um, health at every size and, and all the different weights and how this can be effective for all sorts of different types of PCOS. We talked about, mm-hmm. you know, all your, your journey through PCOS. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to just turn, I know a huge pillar of poly is getting, um, a personalized approach. And part of that is getting specific labs. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about labs are that you've identified are really helpful and how that works within your platform. Like can people order through your platform or did they just know what the list is to go talk to their provider? How does that part work? Yeah. So people can order labs directly through Polly. Um, the lab vendor that we use right now does not take reimbursement, unfortunately. And so we will also work. You would like these labs covered by insurance. And if, if that is a covered thing for insurance for you. Um, in terms of where to find out more about labs, you can go to poly.co slash labs and you can purchase them there directly. You don't need to be a part of the program to purchase labs. It's a new thing that we're trying out, um, trying out a bunch of different entry points and stuff. Yeah. And we, we right now have three tiers of labs available. So I'm sure it's like similar ish to what you do with your clients. Although I would probably say that if you want to do like a ton, a ton of testing, working one-on-one with someone like Sophie is probably a better fit for you because we only are doing blood testing today. We can give, we, we, we can give like general advice in terms of like you can do a Dutch test if you want to do the urine testing and get a better look at your sex hormones and stuff. Um, but the, the three tiers that we have, the first one is called baseline and that is a full metabolic panel. And then also looking at androgens. And so the way that we kind of like to think about our baseline package is how severe is your PCOS right now? And it kind of just gives an indication like where your testosterone is at, where your DHEAS is at, like how insulin resistant you are if you are struggling with insulin resistance. This is the cheapest option. And, and I would say that it's it's like obviously the least comprehensive than what I'm about to go through. But it is, I mean, like I've gotten labs done for my PCOS over the years and at more general practitioners, I will sometimes like only get testosterone <laughs> To drawn, um, which is just not enough. And so that's, that's our first package. And then the second one that we have is kind of our mid-tier that's called essentials that then looks into like B vitamins, iron, just like some other vitamins and minerals that are commonly associated with like worse PCOS symptoms. So like having low levels of vitamin B are associated with PCOS, et cetera. And so again, that's kind of our mid-tier one. If you have like recently gotten your metabolic stuff done or your androgens and you want to like have a little bit more of like a personalization, personalized approach to what supplements you want to take, Essentials is good for you. And then the last one is our advanced panel. And that just kind of includes like a full reproductive sex hormone panel. You do labs at like day, the three to five day window of your cycle and the 19 to 21, which we know is a little bit inconvenient, but unfortunately there's no way around doing that right now. Especially for people with PCOS, it's hard to yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, exactly. And so, and that's actually something that a lot of our members ask. If you don't have a period, if 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 it's been months since your last period, you can get that drawn whenever, and we can we can just work with what we've got, obviously. Um, and then that one also includes like a full thyroid panel and some some more like autoimmune markers, and it just kind of provides more understanding into like what my total overall reproductive status is, but also like what 
inflammation issues are going on? Are there potential autoimmune issues that I should be looking into, et cetera? And that one's our most advanced. And I mean, most expensive. I'm, I meant to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounds like it's both. It's most advanced and most, most advanced. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with those labs, would, would um, a doctor or a provider go over them with them or is it so like they can have it and bring it to their own provider? Or- yeah. Yeah. So once those labs are back and to do those, you just go to any quest facility near you. Um, it's a really easy, quick process. We, we love the vendor for that, that we've worked with. Once the results are back, if you choose to enroll in Polly's PCOS program, which you can, you can download our app on the app store and you, and the U S and Canada app store, I'm sorry. Um, we'll have an Android version soon, but once you download the app, you can either just play around with the free version, or you can join the paid program. And if you join the paid program, you do monthly video consults with both one of Polly's dietitians and a health coach, and then you get unlimited chat-based support from the coach. And so the RDs are kind of like the lead on your care team, and they're all functionally trained. They're all very focused on hormonal health and their external practices. Um, they've worked with a ton of people going through similar stuff as like what our members are dealing with. And, and we just love them and they do a seller job, but similar again. So if you do like what you do with your clients, they're kind of like detectives, you know, they go through like someone's like symptoms and what their medical history is like, but then also look at their labs and they kind of piece together what recommendations would make most sense for them. And so the RD puts together everyone's PCOS plan and that's made up of um, nutrition, exercise, stress management slash sleep and supplement recommendations. All of the recs that we're making are based in research, like a pretty extensive amount of research and, and nothing is really experimental at this point in time. I'd say like the most experimental thing that we're recommending is like berberine for blood sugar management. Uh, as time goes on, it would be great to have like a bigger impact on like PCOS research, but to start, we're really just kind of bringing together all of these best practices into one place. <laughs> I love that berberine's the like I know, I know, I know. Berberine is like incredibly, we also have, we have Vitex or Chasberry on there too. It depends on like which doctor you talk to. Um, But a lot of OBGYNs are like telling their, their patients who are dealing with PMS symptoms to try Chasberry, which I love because that's, it's a good one. (laughs) You do have to be careful with it with PCOS. If you have that inverted ratio, at least according to Dr. Yeah. Brighton. So yeah, no, that that's, it's a good point to mention. And that's something that we make sure to screen for in the labs prior to recommending. Well, it just sounds like a perfect platform for someone who's really Mm -hmm. like overwhelmed with all the steps to take when getting a diagnosis or even thinking maybe (laughs) they have PCOS and some really practical steps between the lifestyle and dietary support steps, having a coach. I mean, you know, I'm a coach and I think like it's important to have someone to help you. And then yeah. labs, like it just sounds like a really just incredible platform that like exactly what you probably would have wanted <laughs> when you were. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, we, we built it with my experience in mind, of course. And we, we interviewed a bunch of other people and it's, it's eerie how like similar the PCOS patient experience is across the board though. There obviously everyone has their own nuances and their own individual experience, but there's a lot of common gaps and like common broken parts of the healthcare system that we're all dealing with. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like that's a whole another podcast we could have. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to celebrate the end of this podcast with Jane. What would you like one thing you would tell mm-hmm. your younger self or maybe a person listening to this who's just getting started and is like identifying with these symptoms, thinks they might have PCS or even has a diagnosis like what was the one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give your PCOS uh, sisters? 
Yeah, I would say continue advocating for yourself for more personalized uh, treatment techniques. And whether that's working with a program like what we offer at Poly or working with one-on-one with someone like Sophie or something else entirely, um, I think that doing lab work and like understanding what's catalyzing your symptoms is so important for that conversation that we had about the PCOS types earlier. And it's, it's something that is like, maybe not all health insurance plans will cover the blood work, but in the whole scheme of things, I really, really think that that investment and kind of taking a step back and doing some more labs and more diagnostics to figure out our metabolic issues causing this. Is it stress? Is it inflammation? Do I also have an autoimmune disorder? It will just really, really pay off. And the changes that you make will likely be less frustrating because you're not going to just be like making these like blanket changes um, that don't even apply to you. They'll at least be more personalized from a beginning standpoint, and they'll still probably require some some patience and some experimenting, but it, it it'll be just a better experience in general. I think. <laughs> Love that. Yes, advocate for yourself. Get specific with the labs. I I always say that's like the one piece of advice I would give to anyone with Hashimoto's is like, oh my gosh, I wish I had just gotten the labs done faster. <laughs> you know, because like can I yeah be yeah specific about my steps and not waste my time and money and energy on stuff that doesn't work for me as an individual person. Um, yeah, that is hundred percent. So, okay. So people can find, so let's make sure we have the way that people can find you You have poly.co. They can learn more about it. There's the app they can do for free. Yes. Best way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you have an iPhone and if you're in the U S or Canada, you can just go to the app store and search poly or poly PCOS and our app will pop right up. You can download it for free. We have a one week free trial of the PCOS program. Um, and then there's the paid version as well. We're going to be releasing a different or, or an additional paid version option soon. So stay tuned for that. And that will be a lower price point and kind of give you the ability to just book appointments as you wish. It won't be one appointment per month. And then on Instagram and TikTok is Polly Co. Um, and then also we have a offering a, a thank you to Sophie's community. If you use the code SHETALKS100 when you go to our lab page, and again, the lab page can be found at poly.co slash labs, or you can also purchase those from within the app. You can get $100 off any of our lab packages. Oh my gosh. That is such a nice giveaway. Oh my gosh. I wasn't sure <laughs> the 100 was for it. That is so nice. Um, yeah, of and, course. Uh, making it so, um, so much easier for everyone in the community to get support. So yeah. Yay. Thank you. That is our hope. (laughs) I love it. Well, awesome. It's just been so fun to record with you today. And thank you for making this incredible platform for people with PCOS. Of course. And thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to catch up. Awesome. Yeah. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Go and follow poly.co everywhere download the app do all the things use the um discount code for she talks 100 for 100 off your labs and we will see you in two weeks i hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health if you liked this episode please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the she talks health podcast And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.